Positively Joy. Are you living life but feel like something's missing? You've come to the right place. I'm Yvette Walker, your host for this podcast on finding the true meaning of God's joy. Joy is not a feeling, it's faith. And my guests and I will talk about how to avoid falling down the rabbit hole of chasing physical or emotional joy. In this season, we'll tackle spiritual growth as we discover the true joy of the Lord. Whispering in His Ear, the devotional, explores talking and listening to God's message for us. Now, read God's voice and how to listen, a new companion study guide to the original devotional that provides discussion questions and more insight to the scripture that reveals how God talks to us. Get the series on Amazon. Welcome to the Positively Joy podcast. Born with a cleft palate here in America, Sue Coral has become one of the most unusual testimonies I have heard in my conversations here on the podcast. God equipped her with a mother who was a nurse with cleft palate experience, working in a hospital with expertise of the baby's needs. You might say she was cursed, but Sue says she was blessed. And I agree. Listen to her story. Here's Sue. Hi, Sue Coral. We're so happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm very excited to be with all of you. (laughs) Well, you are here because you have so much to tell us about your story, about the foundation that you started, the book you've written, and of course, your own podcast. Um, But you've got a very, very interesting story, and I'd like for you to share that with us now. Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you so much. I love to share it because it really shows God's um, sovereignty and goodness to pull us through everything and anything And it's actually, tomorrow's the anniversary of my mom going to be to heaven. And uh, I share that because she's a big part of that story. So I was born with a very, very severe cleft palate. And I had no nose, no upper lip, no palate, had heart issues, breathing issues. And so after three weeks, they couldn't figure out how to feed me. And they told my mom to take me home to die. But my mom had faith and and she prayed and and God let her know that I was uh, God's gift to her and that he had a a wonderful plan for my life. So she didn't take me home to die. She took me home to live and she knew that God would show her a way. And he did. She kind of rigged up uh, toys and things from the hospital and a a mask maybe it was a halloween mask i don't know but she figured out a way to have suction on it that uh, attached a bottle that had her breast milk and i was able to eat and after three months she got my strength back up and you imagine just this big hole right in my head and so she actually would lay me by her ear at night uh, so that if I stop breathing, she'd wake up. I think it was just a, 
the Lord waking her up because there were several times I did stop breathing. So she took me back to the hospital. One thing you have to know is my mom was a pediatric nurse at that hospital and they had the number one cleft palate doctor in the country. And so that for the last two years, they've been flying in cleft palate babies and my mom was taking care of them. So by the time I came out, you know, she wasn't in shock, you know, and she knew what to do to care for me, even though it was more severe than a baby that had, was able to live at that point with that great of a severity. So you can see this the sovereignty of God and how he prepared my mom. And, you know, she not only helped me to stay alive, but then I had 26 surgeries over the first 15 years of my life. And she would be there, having been a nurse there, they let her come in early, early at six and leave at about eight. You know, back then you you couldn't stay overnight. And so I really had amazing care and that made a big difference. You know, but the, the complication came uh, emotionally when I went to school. And you can imagine, I'm, I'm sure lots of your listeners are going, yeah, I know what happened. I relate. <laughs> you're seeing you're seeing it coming, right? But a lot of teasing and particularly from boys. And I had uh, difficulty with speech. I didn't have enough teeth on the top and uh, lots of speech problems. My palate wasn't closed, all these things. And so they would make fun and they would call me ugly and freak and dog face, all these terrible names. Mm. I heard that every day. And so finally, I started to believe it, despite the fact that my family would say the opposite. My neighbors were really sweet. And generally, the girls were okay. I'm very extroverted. So they play, but the boys were just mean. So I became fearful Mm -hmm. of boys. And that went all the way into as I got older, of wanting that relationship with guys, but feeling that they could never be attracted to me. So I had friendships with guys, but even if they tried to ask me out, I generally just sabotaged it. I was just convinced that, no, they couldn't possibly feel that way towards me. And I was fearful. So it was rough, you know, in in that uh, time. And then even I, came to know Christ in high school, though my mom was a Christian, my dad was not, and mom had to work on the weekends to try to get more money, and dad would watch us, and um, yeah, I I just never heard the gospel, because mom didn't really know how to share it, you know, she was from a, it was a good church, but back then, a lot of churches just said, you love people, you live it, but you don't talk about it, it was always like, politics or something (laughs) yeah (laughs) let me just let me just break in for just a moment because your story is so amazing and I just want to point one thing out so people some people out there might be thinking what a terrible irony that your mother would take care of the cleft palate babies that were flown in from overseas in other parts of the world right and, and she had you. What a terrible irony that is. And I say that, and I say it because um, someone very close to me was um, a kidney nurse for her whole life. And now she has kidney disease. 
And it was, and it was such a shock and felt like a betrayal. But you're saying that it wasn't a betrayal at all. It was, I mean, look at what God did. He, he brought you to a woman who could take care of you. Yeah. I mean, any other person would not know what to do, especially if the hospital basically just kicked you out and sent you home yeah. and, and, and said, you take care of it, right? Yeah, she a normal, normal person, like a person not with her experience would not, they wouldn't have just comforted me till I died. They wouldn't have even known that yeah. there was any way to rig up something to give suction to get food and and probably people are thinking well why didn't you know intravenous feeding and all that but i was born back in 59 i mean they barely had ivs back then you Mm -hmm. know or anesthesia for that matter so because i asked my mom that before and she's like we weren't that advanced (laughs) you know in fact this doctor is the one that developed skin grafting and and he was still trying to figure that out so thus I had so many surgeries. They don't even do it like that anymore. You know, now they wait till you're older, at, at least for a lot of the surgeries. But I had them right through 10th grade, I believe it was. Mm. Yeah. So, so many miracles right there. Your mom was prepared. The The leading doctor happened to be at that hospital. Mm-hmm. So many miracles right there. So I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just felt like People need to understand just, you know, how amazing, how miraculous that is. It didn't mean that you didn't have your trials and your troubles. And we were just talking about that and talking about how you grew into Christ. And so tell us more about that. Yeah. And feel free that to quote unquote interrupt. I don't think you're interrupt. I love to have just a conversation about this. So I'll just keep going if you let me, but I, <laughs> I want to hear what you're thinking. I mean, that's awesome. Wow. I'm sharing all this. Uh, yeah. So I, I got into college and there weren't really Christians around. It was a small college and I tried to not do partying and all that, but I got lonely, honestly, every week. And the whole school practically went to this one party or else they went home. And so I ended up going and I was not used to drinking, so it didn't take but a beer or something, you know, <laughs> which I really wasn't planning to drink, but a, a a very good looking guy handed it to me. And you can imagine going into it with that fear and that anxiety and then to have this really handsome pre-med student come up and initiate and keep talking and then keep pushing the beer. I gave in. Well, anyway, finally, I was like, I wasn't feeling well because I wasn't used to that. And I said, I, I need to go home. And he said, well, I'll, I'll, I'll see you home. And on the way home, he raped me. Mm-hmm. Well, that was pretty um, unexpected, obviously. And I hadn't had that, anything like that, you know. So <laughs> I was quite naive, really, I'd say. And so I got really depressed and even more fearful I made sure I dressed terrible so no guy would look at me. That's what that was my only defense, right? And kind of stay away. So that went on for another year and a half. And then I went home for the summer. And my brother, who I had led to Christ in high school, was now going on mission field. <laughs> He's a little older than me. And he he's like, are you happy? And I said, no. 
I'm miserable. And he said, you need to give your life back to Christ. And I said, I tried. It's just too lonely. He said, no, you, the Holy Spirit can be there with you. And I was like, the Holy Spirit, isn't he just this like floating ghost in the air? I mean, I know teaching about that, which kind of doesn't say much for the church. It's not my current church, but it's the one that I went to back then that like never mentioned about it. And so he just talked to me about, you know, the spirits in you and all you need to do is pray and say, you know, teach me, be with me, love me, love through me, give me courage. And boy, did he ever, even that summer, again, I, what the whole topic you just said. So this friend of his who was home from college too and lived somewhat near us, I, I didn't know her because I didn't go to that college. They were uh, planning to get together once in a while and help out at a church, but not too often. Well, she broke her collarbone, so she couldn't work. They all, wow. they had a car accident. My brother was in it too, but he didn't get hurt. And so she couldn't work. So she called me up and said, why don't you come over and I'll disciple you? So again, it's that sovereignty thing. Yeah. <laughs> what, what the devil meant for evil, God mm -hmm. meant for good. And uh, so we spent every day that I wasn't working, even when I was, I go there after, and she would just pour life into me. And she was just a wonderful, mature Christian who, by the way, ended up going to China. And I followed in her footsteps a few years after that. Mm. But it it was just a wonderful summer. So I went back to college and I had to go early. I was an athlete and we all had to go early. And this drinking buddy of mine because after the rape happened I just really fell away and got into the party scene myself but of course I'm giving that up right I'm just mm -hmm. but I was nervous not about I knew I'd give it up but I am I going to be all alone but okay God I'll be all alone for you I don't care <laughs> not going back to that life it was so depressing mm -hmm. and uh so he comes up and and he goes, I got to tell you what happened. And I said, I got to tell you what happened. And he said, I gave my life back to Christ. And I said, I did too. What do you mean back to Christ? <laughs> oh, yeah, I was a Christian, but I fell away. Oh, well, great. Okay. All right. So we started a ministry, Fellowship of Christian Athletes on our campus. And we had 50, 60 kids by the end of my senior year coming out. And we had shared the gospel with about 300. And we had events that we get half the school to come to. It was just a really exciting time. And from there, I went uh, on the mission field. Mm. So how old were you at that time? 22. Okay. So I actually requested to go to China, but it had just, just opened. As in Chairman Mao had just died five years before. I'm aging myself. but um, And so, you know, the mission was like, well, we're planning to get there, but we're not there yet. So you don't have a lot of experience and you haven't been walked the Lord too long. So we're going to send you to Hawaii which I wasn't going to complain about that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> yeah. And do youth work because it's an all Asian culture. And I didn't even know that, right? You just mm -hmm. picture people in their hula skirts or whatever. But no, I think we know more from TV today. But mm -hmm. in fact, Magnum PI, they were filming back then when I was there. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, his double lived in my apartment complex. So. Tom <laughs> Selleck's double. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he wasn't as handsome as Tom Selleck, but anyway. 
So, um, yeah, so I started getting youth work. But, you know, what happened was even though I was having a very fruitful ministry, the lies that had come into my life from my childhood, they weren't gone. Mm -hmm. I still believed in my heart that no man would marry me, that I had to be really careful around guys that they could hurt me. Mm -hmm. And so the result was Yvette, that I was very defensive and not with women. The women's ministry thrived. <laughs> and I, I was, uh, what should I say? I was quote unquote, a good Christian. Well, maybe you want to put it like that. I don't think there is such a word as that, but I'm being facetious to the men, meaning I did the right things, but they could feel for me a lack of love let's put it that way you okay. know and i be like i'd be like oh how's your quiet time and i'll help you with it that kind of thing but not hey how are you can i help you but yeah. with the women i was so loving and just very sacrificial you know <laughs> i just hang out with them till two in the morning give them my car do anything but for the men i was just very stern and I started to realize that when one of the guys I was working with, a coworker, he was the nicest guy on the earth. And I was getting irritated by him all the time. And I go, okay, this isn't him. It's me. <laughs> so what is the matter with me? So I sought out a friend who was a counselor. And we started to meet. And the first thing we dealt with was the fact that my dad left us when I was 11. Okay. So that was put on top of this like he was the one man that I could trust and then he left and he didn't leave leave we saw him on weekends but in essence he's no longer a father he's just a playmate you know what I mean he can't go right. speak do fun things but he didn't know what was going on in my school he didn't ask he didn't you know so it was very different and so my counselor really helped me to see the wounds that I got from him. And I think that was a very significant start, but it wasn't the end of the story. I think what that did is it changed my attitude about men. And so the guys started coming up to me in the ministry saying, you're different. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean I'm different? And of course, I didn't know how I was coming across. I'll be sure, honest. Yeah, yeah, you didn't know that because you would never intentionally be like no. that. No, that's the thing. Half the time, we're totally blinded to our defense mechanisms, or I call them sinful behaviors, because you're not really trusting in God to protect mm -hmm. you. Right? You you figured out your own way. You're in protective defenses, and so um, yeah, it really dawned on me when they said you've really changed. You're so sweet and kind and gentle now. And I was like, mm -hmm. wow. And I, I just said, I'm like, I tell them, well, what was I before? <laughs> and they like, go, you were scary. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but it was just a beautiful work of God of healing my heart. And I'm grateful for that. But Aww. it was several years before, and it was through the word of God that God did the next and most significant healing in my life. And that was when I was reading his word. I really knew how to dig into the word by then. I've been to seminary, the whole thing, and I'm reading uh, Psalm 139 for how many times I read it a lot. Yeah. And I come to 
uh, verse 14. I'm loving 1 through 12. I come to 13 and 14. I knit you together in my mother's womb, in your mother's womb. And David cries out, and I praise you, God, because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, and, and I've thought, I don't believe that. I really don't believe that. I believe that I'm a mistake, that something happened, that you couldn't control it, and that I'm ugly. And it just, and I, and, wow. but at that point in my life, I thought, I can't do this anymore because the scripture's true. Every word of it. By then, I was thoroughly convinced. And so I was just shocked that I was directly speaking a lie against the scriptures mm-hmm. and I'm like no I can't do that it's true but so I declared it that was a start you declare by faith right yeah. and so I just prayed that out I rejected the lie in Jesus name I didn't know a lot about spiritual warfare yet you can invite me back and I can talk about that <laughs> <laughs> when I learned when I went to China but um I did know that I could reject that lie and begin to claim the truth. And Romans 12, 1 and 2 said that if I renew my mind, right, mm-hmm. that I would be transformed. And so I just kept dwelling on that scripture, claiming that truth. Well, shortly after that, and this is the end of the story, I'm taking a walk along the beach. By, I'm in China by now. And we lived in a beach town. It's beautiful. And I'm walking along. And all of a sudden, I hear, you're beautiful. And I knew it wasn't coming from anywhere around me. There was nowhere, no one around me. Yeah. And I also could tell it's, okay, it's not like this deep outside audible voice. It was, but it was profoundly oh, yeah. loud mm-hmm. in my spirit, mm-hmm. in my mind. I knew it wasn't my own thoughts that God had just spoken to me and I just stopped and began to cry. And then I just had the sense that Jesus was looking upon me with this huge smile on his face, just like, you're so beautiful to me. And it changed my life, Yvette. I realized the power of God's word that when we stand it up against the lies, whether it's that you're, I'm not valuable, I'm not worthy, I'm insignificant, I'm a piece of dirt, you know, whatever those lies are. And we hold it up to scripture that says something opposite and we claim it by faith. Then God's spirit and Jesus himself will move in our heart and really heal that wound. And that's exactly what happened to me. So I can declare today that I am fearfully, wonderfully made, that I am beautiful in his sight and and when I studied that scripture, and I always talk about this in my conferences, the word fearfully actually means that I reflect the image of God, that I reflect, therefore, the beauty of God, the, the valuableness of him, the significance of him, the intelligence of him, the purpose of him, all these things that I reflect. And so if somebody says to me, oh, you're not very pretty which I, I had a little kid say that to me and it did hurt me. But then I thought, it was like, no, I'm rejecting that. Yeah. And even he can think that, you know, he can mm-hmm. think that. You're always going to have people think things about you that aren't very nice, you yeah. know, it's going to yeah. happen. And hopefully you don't have to hear it. They just keep it to themselves. But <laughs> sometimes you figure it out. And and I just say, 
but it's okay, God, because I'm yours. You know, you're my wonderful bridegroom, my husband, <laughs> the lover, my soul. And, and that's what I care about most. And it really, really set me free. And so now you are teaching other women what you have learned through yes. Crown of Beauty and through the conference of Beauty for Ashes and through your mm -hmm. podcast, His Heartbeat, um, mm -hmm. and and the and the books that you've written. And so yeah. I mean, look again, talking about we're <laughs> we're talking a miracle on miracle on miracle, right? Mm -hmm. You were born, mm -hmm. and let's and let's be honest, most Americans don't really hear about cleft palate babies in this country. I mean, we, we, you know, we, we, we hear about them in Africa. We hear about them in other parts of the world, but here you born here to a nurse that knew how to take care of a baby at a hospital with the leading doctor. You are helping so many women today because of the miracle upon miracle upon miracles, right? Yeah, and Yvette, I go to places that if this, I still have scars, me, I don't know how it, my nose is a little crooked and whatever, but if I didn't have that and that story, when I'm up in the hill tribes of the Karen people in Thailand who have nothing, no electricity, took us eight hours to get up there on a Jeep, there's, you know, cobras and tigers up there and and you know it's a rough life for them. Bless right? you. I gotta and, say, bless you for dealing with um, yeah, I'd be so afraid. Oh no, it's so fun. Well, yeah, you don't get out of the car until your director tells you to. In fact, I went to take a walk and we saw this um cobra way ahead of us, and apparently they'll come after you. Mm -hmm. And boy, did I get a scolding from the director. <laughs> I didn't know, you know. But anyway, so but I stood in front of those people um, with candlelight. It was night, nighttime. They came together in the village. And this woman had come, uh, the whole village came, okay? And this older woman stood outside the door but was listening. And she was going to commit suicide that night. And uh, she came because everybody came and they dragged her there. And she heard my story and she heard about my mom and I didn't mention that my mom had a terminal blood disease aplastic anemia through all that they gave her six months to live and she lived seven years with blood transfusions almost every day from the age when I was four to 11 and then God just miraculously healed her so this woman hears this and she decides if if Sue and Ellie can go through that and trust God, I can too with my problems. And she got a translator and came and told me that after. But my point is, they wouldn't have even listened to me, you know, with my blonde hair, and my if I had my nice little nose and no story. And, you know, they'd be like, you don't, you don't relate to us. You don't know. But it just, I, it's crazy. Wherever I go, refugees in Syria, poor people in Bangladesh, all my times in China, I was there for years. They're like, oh, you understand, you know? And not only that I had that, but at least, you know, we have wounds and we have handicaps or disabilities or uh, dyslexia or whatever it is, you know, um, weight issues, whatever it is that you get teased. It, it can really create wounds in you 
that lead to depression, anxiety, physical um, illness, uh, just total shutdown, self-rejection, self-hatred can turn into anger towards others and bitterness can you can end up in jail from things that you do. You know what I'm saying? Uh, failed marriages, uh, whatever. Yeah. It's great confusion. But when God heals us of the wounds of that, and that's what we try to help people in our, our conferences. To We have this whole list of lies, which if you remind me, I can send it to you if you want to post it. Mm-hmm. And, and um, we have everybody go through it. And then uh, pray through each of those lies that they realize they've been believing. In Jesus' name, I reject that and replace it with what the scripture says is true. And then we have like six pages of scriptures about different truths about us. And we can get set free. But he not only brings us healing, but he redeems it. Mm -hmm. So meaning that now he uses it for good to be able to help others. So good. So if people want to know more about you and your story or want to listen to the podcast, how can they get a hold of you and where can they find you on social media? Thank you. Yeah. So you can go on our website. It's crownofbeautyinternational.com, crownofbeautyinternational.com. And we have everything on there. You can even get on the podcast that way. It's called His Heartbeat because we want to know his heartbeat for us. And so you can um, get that on pretty much every podcast channel. Uh, Our books, they're either on my website, but you can just go on Amazon and type in uh, Crown of Beauty or type in my name, Sue Coral, which is spelled without an A-C-O-R-L. You can look in the show notes, I guess, and get on there. And my favorite, even though my most recent book, which I love, but... Uh, it's more like a devotional. I have several devotionals uh, called Broken but Undefeated. It's a devotional going through Hebrews 11, the heroes of the faith and what we can learn about faith. But my favorite is our 12-week Bible study called Crown of Beauty. And it goes deep, just like the story I just told you. It'll help you to find your story and God's story for you and to find healing and even if you don't feel like you have wounds, it's so funny. I have leaders come and they go, well, I, I didn't even recognize these thoughts I was having and how they're impacting me. It'll uncover that, but it also shows you a lot about who God is, who you are, all the beautiful identity that God has uh, for you. And it'll be such a refreshing thing. We have it in eight languages. So online, we have it in English, on Amazon English. Spanish and French. And then if you want uh, Arabic or Chinese traditional or um, simplified or Korean or Arab, I say Arabic and Bengali, you can just uh, do the contact button on crownofbeautyinternational.com and um, it'll be there. And all of our social media is crownofbeauty.com. I'm sorry, crownofbeautyinternational.com. Oh, so good. Thank you. So thank you so much for spending time with us today and telling your story and just and just having such encouragement and and giving hope to people um, who have these lies. And you're right. I mean, we we all do. We we can Mm -hmm. we can think that we're strong and maybe we we are. But um, but 
you know, at night when you lay your head down and all of a sudden your brain is just filled with a bunch of stuff, right? And you're not even able to yeah. go to sleep. I mean, that's often when, when that happens, certainly, you know, to sure. me. Yeah. Cause it's just, you know, um, so the fact that you survived, um, more than once, you know, I'm going to say that that was a survival that you had after that yeah. assault, you know, um, yeah, it's it, again miracles upon miracles, and so I thank you for being here. I thank you no, for being with us today. Yeah, I loved it. Thank you, and I love that you're all about joy and positivity. And you know, we don't we are positive in a shallow way, are we? We're we're positive because of how much God loves us and mm-hmm. what He has to say about us. We don't just go, "Oh, I'm beautiful, I'm this and I'm that," because we're trying to convince ourselves. It's God who speaks it to us. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Positively Joy. Go to PositivelyJoy.com to hear previous episodes and to learn more about our ministry and books. Support Positively Joy by becoming a Patreon member and sign up for our newsletter. Thanks to Mars Coleman for the use of his song, The Joy of Knowing. And thanks to Susan Marie for editing and production of the podcast. Till next week. Oh, the joy of knowing, the joy of knowing.